Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are joined right now by billions of people all around the world who on this weekend will go to church services. People that don't normally go to church quite often will go to church at Easter. Millions of people will be sitting in church for the first time and hearing what I would say very comfortably is the greatest and most significant event that's ever happened in human history. And you can get excited and clap and cheer and praise and all the rest of it because it is the greatest message that the world has ever heard. And we love to celebrate this message. I would like to think that my kids have been honoring God with every hot cross bun that they have eaten between December 26th and now. Because you know what happens, right? So we get to the end of Christmas and we think it's all over and suddenly Coles will just usher in that new season of hot cross buns. And you know, I know there are some people that are actually upset about that. I feel sorry for you. I don't even know if you've had a hot cross bun, but they are delicious. And so... You know, personally for me, I would have a hot cross bun every, I would just have it all year round, you know. And and I realized that some people though, they they don't get the significance of the event. And I think that's why some people might get upset and say, oh, you know, we're sort of, you know, breezing over it. But not everybody looks at the significance of Easter the same way. The truth is we just, we live in a culture where people see it differently. I mean, even if I think back to my childhood when I was growing up and, and my parents were fantastic. I mean, they taught me the gospel, I understood what the message of Jesus was all about. But honestly, if you had to ask me when I was a kid and say, hey, what's Easter about? I'd be like, well, it's hot cross buns on, uh, on Friday, Sunday, chocolate. You know, hey, Sunday, the Easter bunny comes. You know, there's a lot of hype around the Easter bunny. And so that's what I, I, I guess... I guess that's what a lot of people in our culture would say, right? Like they just know that maybe the ritual, uh, they don't know the significance, but they understand the, the things that we do on this weekend. If you're Australian, I honestly think that when we say the word Easter, translation, four day camping weekend with my family. Uh, for most people, that's exactly what they think. It's a, it's a chance to sort of get away. And I guess the truth is, is that people, well, you know, they just celebrate Easter differently. but. The the thing that determines how we celebrate Easter is how we see Jesus, right? I mean, that is absolutely central to how we celebrate this weekend or how we think about this weekend has everything to do with how we see Jesus. And I think sometimes the problem is that we don't always see Jesus clearly. I think the problem for some people is just being able to see Him as He is. The problem is just seeing Jesus. And I, and I get that He's invisible, okay? So I understand that. So yes, it's, it's hard to see Him, right? But I'm talking about seeing Him as He is. And so you know what Christian people will say? A lot of Christian people will say uh, that when we talk about Jesus, we say that He is the King of Kings and He is the Lord of Lords. That's the term that we would use. He's the King of Kings. And we say that, we just got it straight out of the Bible. Revelation 19, 16 says that, that He is the King of all kings, right? That is a title that is fit for God. That's the kind of title that we would bestow upon God. He's a King. And you know, the thing about kings is that they have a kingdom, amen? Like we understand that kings have a kingdom. And here's the truth. If you go back to Jesus' day, they had a little trouble understanding something about this king and his kingdom. Because if you were to ask them, hey, 
what do you think about Jesus? Like, like who's, do you know this guy called Jesus? I think there probably would have been a lot of answers. And they would have said, Jesus, yeah, I've, I've met the guy, I know him. Jewish guy. Really nice, really, really nice guy. Uh, Did you hear his his father died when he was 12 years old? You know, very, very, very sad, but went on to be a great guy. And uh, the carpenter, yeah, we know him. Is great at making stuff. Oh, you believe Jesus is good at making? He made everything, right? So, 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 so Jesus can make a great table, though, right? And they see this, this sort of one-dimensional view of who he is the carpenter or, or, or is nice or, or is Jewish. But if we were to read the scriptures, you know, it would say something completely different about who Jesus is. If we even go back and, and read about how Jesus even came, it would say something supernatural. If you read the scriptures, it says that Mary uh, gave birth to Jesus. And here's the amazing part. She was a virgin before she was pregnant with Jesus. And this is a hard thing for people to understand. I mean, you just see Jesus as a, as a human walking around and people don't realize where he came from or his origins. They don't, they don't necessarily get that. And I get, I get why it's hard to understand. I mean, you know, we have this account, it had to come from Mary. She was the only one there, but an angel, uh, you know, comes from God and visits her and says, hey, I know you're a virgin, but you are most favored and you are going to be with a, a child. And she asked a question that most people should have thought of. And they're like, well, now how is that going to be possible? And the angel, rather than trying to actually explain something that she's probably not going to kind of get, going to understand, uses this one word to sort of, you know, this very, broadly understood word to try to explain it. He says, well, God will overshadow you. Okay, let's just say that. Okay, so, so, so first of all, you're a virgin, then he will overshadow you, and then you will have a baby. And what happened when that, when that took place is that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He was divine in his origin, and he put on his humanity. So he was divinely appointed by God, and he was, he was divine in terms of his origin, and he became human. I mean, the scriptures talk about it, that Jesus became human and he dwelt amongst us. And, and, and so we see that Jesus is this impossible thing. He is 200%. He was 100% fully God, and at the same time, he was 100% human, the impossible and, and, you know, the thing is, is that while Jesus was on earth, He didn't really walk around and flaunt that. You'll notice in the Scriptures, you'll notice that when you read about the accounts of His life, that He didn't walk around and, and tell everyone, hey, just want to let you know, like He didn't buy the t-shirt, you know, the one that would say, like, like God is my Father, right? And people would say, oh, come on, like God is all of our Father. He'd be like, no, like God is actually my dad. Like, I have no human father. It's only God, right? My, my mom was human. Uh, my father is, is, is divine, right? And, and this, we see this overlapping, this merging. But for people in the day, they couldn't see that. What did they see? They see the Jewish guy, the nice guy, the carpenter. And, and by all accounts, he just looks like a normal, regular human. And if you read what, what we know about about Jesus. Come on. I mean, here he is. He's, there were times when he would get tired. We know that. Uh, there were times when he was thirsty. There are times when he would laugh and joke and, and, and muck around. And then because of that, I guess people weren't able to really see exactly who he was. 
And there's this uh, recordings of times when God would, or when Jesus would come and he'd speak to different people. And they just, you could tell that they just couldn't quite get who he was. I want to read one to you. It comes out of Matthew 13, verse 54. At this point, Jesus is in a season of great ministry. He has been performing miracles. And come on, come on. How good would it be if Jesus was to show up in your neighborhood to perform a bunch of miracles? Like, I don't know about you, Ray, but I could use a few miracles like all the time. Like we all have stuff that we're praying for, amen? And you would love Jesus to show up and be able to do some miracles, right? Well, look at how these people talk themselves out of that. It says in verse 54, coming to his, his hometown. So people here, they, they probably thought that they knew him best because they've known him the longest. We know who you are. Do you ever, do you ever get some of those people that think that they know you but don't let you grow past who they used to know and they can only see you in one way? He comes to his hometown. They saw him as a kid growing up and now here he is and it says that he taught them in their synagogue. So now he's teaching and what he taught was astonishing so that they were astonished. And he said, they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? How's he doing this? We know who this guy is. How's he doing this? He's just going to roll up in here and talk like he is some big shot. And they started to think about it. And they said, is this not the carpenter's son? Like we know this guy. We know who he is. They said, is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Come on, we know, we know this guy, right? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Where did he get this revelation? Who's this guy think he is saying all these things? In fact, Jesus was so ordinary to look at, right? People just said, he's, he's a normal guy. Even John John wrote this. He said that even when he spoke to his brothers, they did not believe that he was the Christ, right? They didn't believe that he was God. Yeah, yeah I can see that, right? Like I can totally understand how they might have a little trouble. Do you have a brother? Does any of you have a brother? Yeah. I want you to think of that brother right now, right? Imagine if your brother came to you and said, I'm God, right? And you would be like, you're sick. <laughs> and they say, no, I'm not. I wanted you to hear it first. We're close. I wanted you to hear it from me. I am the Messiah. And you'd be like, you need a lobotomy. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. Like, honestly, like I am God. They'd be saying, you want, listen, you have got to stop saying, someone's going to commit you, Okay. You keep walking around and telling everyone that you are God. I'm telling you something bad is going to happen, right? You are not God. We have the same mom. What is wrong with you, right? It would be hard to understand. Jesus could have said something like, well, come on, bro. Like, think, think, you think about it. When was the last time I did something wrong? You'd be like, well, there was the time... What about when you, look, I don't know about 
about when was the last time that you did something wrong. But I know one thing for sure. There is no way that you can be God. And yet here he is saying to his brothers and his sisters, he's like, hey, I'm actually God. I can understand why they might have had just a little bit of trouble trying to understand it. And it's weird because, you know, I don't know about you, but, but if you were God, right, if you were Jesus, right, wouldn't you want to make it just a little bit obvious? I would. If only I were Jesus. Right? I would want to make it just a little bit obvious. Like I would do things every now and then just to let people know that I really had that power, that I was really Him, right? Think about Jesus growing up. Here He is and He's, he's got His, I don't know, like His little toys or whatever, right? And it breaks and like, oh, Jesus, your toy broke. And he's like, I know, watch this. Boom. <laughs> They'd be like, did, did you just see what he did? And he's like, yeah, because I'm, I'm God. They're like, you're three. How you God's God's never been three in his life. Like this is it. Wait, wait, wait. This is this is confusing for me, right? Imagine if you were hanging out with Jesus and you're in the desert. No, he gets a little dry out there. You're a little parched, right? And you're like, Jesus, I'm about you. I'm thirsty. He goes, I am too. Watch this. Boom. Suddenly everyone has a refreshing beverage and they're drinking ice in their glass in the desert. They're like, thank you, Jesus. This is fantastic, right? And wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I mean, right, you're in the desert, it's hot, and you're like, it's a little hot today, just like, no problem, cloud cover, boom. Like, there would, I mean, if I was Jesus, I would have done things just to let people know, I've got this power, I am Him, I can do anything I want all of the time, right? But you know, the thing is, is that when you read the Scriptures, I mean, you just don't see this. You don't see it, it's not there. And the question is, well, if He was really God, why, why didn't he make it more obvious? Why didn't he do more things around those and just clear up the confusion for everyone so they could see who he really was? Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. It says, Paul the Apostle said, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this, because I think people got a little bit confused about this, this scripture. It says, who though he was in the form of God. That word form in the original language, it means essence. Okay, so that he was the essence of God. That's another way of saying he is the same as God because he is God. So though he was in the essence, the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be Grasp. Have you ever read that and thought, I don't even really know what that means? Let me explain it. It means that he wasn't grasping at his identity as God. He wasn't trying to hold on to it and show people and point to it. The truth is, he was God. And at any point, at any point, he could have revealed his divinity to everyone anytime that he wanted. But for some reason, he chose not to. Instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, right? So now we have two things. He is the essence of God in the form of a servant. What's it really talking about? Well, those two things have happened at the same time. Essence of God, form of a servant. What does that mean? It means that he was always God while he was in the form of a servant. And it goes on to say what that is, that he was being born in the likeness of men. So the whole time, that he looked like a man, he was still 
fully the essence of God. You follow me? It says, and being found in human form because a one-dimensional view of Jesus would just reveal the carpenter, who he was, what they saw. It says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even though Jesus was a king with a kingdom, sometimes all people could see was the servant. Do you see that he says that? What do we know about Jesus? He even said it himself. He says, The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many, right? So He came to serve. He served and He took the form of a servant. He took the form of a man. So some people were able to see a king and some people were able to see the servant. But those who were spiritually awake could see both at the same time. And it happened while he was here. It happened while he was on the earth. It says, John the Baptist saw him and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was like in that moment, God revealed who Jesus was and John the Baptist, he saw him, but he didn't just see Jesus, the Jewish carpenter, nice guy. He says, this is something more. This person who stands in front of me is greater. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew, Jesus' disciple, saw him and he said, We have found the Messiah, a.k.a. He is the Christ. He's the Holy One of Israel, the one that we've been waiting for. Nathaniel saw Him and he said, You are the Son of God, a title reserved for the Messiah. And then Jesus spoke to His disciples and He said to them, Who do people say I am? And they answered and they said, Oh, people are saying different things. And then He says, Hey, who do you say I am? And Peter pipes up. And Peter says, I say that you're the Christ. And he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that tells us something. The people could see Him in this one-dimensional view until the veil was lifted, until God did a revealing work. And Peter spent some time with Jesus before he arrived at this conclusion. And God revealed it at some point on his journey. I feel like some people are on a journey to try to figure out who God is. And I'm saying that along the journey, God will start to reveal to you because you need spiritual eyes to see spiritual truth. Amen. And so he revealed to Peter who Jesus really was. Now, six days later, after, G, after Peter perceived that Jesus was in fact the Christ, Jesus decided to take him on a little adventure. And he took him and just a couple of other people and he decided what I'm gonna do now is let you peek behind the veil of my humanity and I'm gonna show you my divinity. It was always within his power to do it, but there was a specific time that he chose and we can read about it. In my Bible at the top of Matthew 17 verse one, there's a heading that says the transfiguration. And it says, after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Verse two, it says that he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. I don't know if you've ever read that and wondered what really happened there. It was a time when Jesus decided that just to a select few, He would let them peer behind His humanity only to reveal His divinity and they saw Him as He was. 
They perceived who he was before, but now for the first time, they could actually see it. And the thing that you've got to know is that Jesus was always able to release the appearance of his deity. You know why? Because he was always the king. Always the king. When he was born, he was still the king. And people might have seen the form of of a servant, but I promise you, even as a one-year-old, he was a king with a kingdom. Why? Because at every point in his life, he was God. He was fully God. He was 100% man. He was 100% God at the same time. And what's my point? Don't just see the servant and miss the king. Don't just see the servant and Mr. King. Come on, we are living in a world right now in a culture where people reflect on Him. Who is Jesus? Nice guy, Jewish guy, really kind. I think they wrote about Him in the Bible. Like the carpenter, right? Yeah, really kind. They see the servant, but they're missing the King. I see how we celebrate Easter determines how we see Him. Do you see Him as the servant and the King or do you only have a one-dimensional view about who He is? And I think that the reason that people miss Jesus as the King and mainly only see one side of Him is that they have good questions. Like if He's really God, if He was really God, why would God make Himself human? Like if you had power, and, and, and ability, and you were God. Why would you become a human? That's like a downgrade, everybody. That's a backward step, it would seem. Why would God do that? Because the moment that God became flesh, He also became vulnerable. The moment that God became human was the moment that God could die. And then we read these stories that He went to the cross and that he was killed. And the question, which I think is reasonable, is why would God, with limitless power and ability, ever put him, himself in a position where that could even happen to him? And the truth is, he's already answered the question. He told his disciples, For the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There must have been people that looked at him in that scenario and said, well, why would you expose yourself to any kind of risk? Come on, why don't you just use your God power to get out of all the bad things that were going to happen to you? And if you read the Scriptures and you understand something about what happened to Jesus in the lead up to His death on the cross, it was horrifying. The truth is, is that when they were trying to uh, figure out how to catch this guy, they ended up getting one of his friends called Judas to betray him. Here is the God that became flesh, the God that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And he was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And so here he is and, and, and betrayed by a friend. They actually, to try to catch him, they had to convene this, this they had a religious board called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin would, would interview him and hold a trial where they would say, hey, who do you say that you are? Hoping that he's going to mess up because if he says something wrong, they're going to punish him. And they wanted to punish him publicly so that everyone would stop sort of looking towards Jesus and start to look back towards the religion, start to look back towards their Judaism, right? And, and so that's, that's what they wanted. So they, they held this trial. They had to break 14 of their own Jewish laws religious laws in order to hold the trial. And all of that, they were willing to overlook if they could just find a way to destroy the person they only ever saw as a servant. 
they broke their own laws. At his own trial, they spat on him. They mocked him. They blindfolded him, punched him and said, prophesy, who hit you? You say that you're someone big and you're someone important. We only see the servant. We only see the man known as Jesus. Who do you think you are? You know, they couldn't even get their own stories straight. They brought in people to lie about him. And their testimonies conflicted. You see, they would have planned it better. They couldn't organize it. At the end of the day, when everybody had said everything they had to say, they said, I don't think we've got anything to hold this guy on. The high priest comes and asks Jesus a question. In your Bible, it's not underlined, so you could miss the significance of the question, but it's called the oath of testimony. And it happens when they can't actually find anything to pin him on, so they just have to go with his testimony. And they ask him a question, and depending on how he answers the question, he's either going to walk out a free man, or he can be persecuted for what he says. And they say, are you the Christ? And he says, I am. When he said, I am, he was actually referencing something that God spoke to Moses in the desert. Where he self-declared, I am. Who are you? I am. Jesus said to the Sanhedrin, I am. Knowing that the moment that he said that, that he put himself on the cross. And the question that I have is, why would he do that? With all of his power, why wouldn't he let just a little bit of his power out? He could have done it, right? I mean, at that exact moment, why didn't he just say, I am? And let me show you. Shut the mouths of everyone who was speaking against him. At that exact moment, he could have peeled back his humanity and showed them his divinity. Remember, it was always within his power to do it. He chose to do it with a few of his disciples at the transfiguration. They could have seen his face shine bright and his clothes turn white. And they could have said, ah, it is you. And yet... He chooses not to. I'm like, where is the power? If you had the ability and you say that you're God, where is the power? Why didn't you do this? He came before Pilate, the Roman governor. It appears that Jesus's life is in his hands when Jesus confesses, no, my life is in God's hands. He's whipped. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Come on, a king needs a crown. They put a crown of thorns on his head just to mock him. They put a purple robe on him just to mock him. All of this, I'm like, where's your power? Come on, you could have got out of this, Jesus. Just channel a little bit of God power so that you didn't have to feel it. Channel a little bit of God power so that while you were whipped, you could have self-healed in a moment. Your skin could have grown back. You didn't have to go through this. Why didn't you just use a little bit of it? In fact, when Jesus was carrying His cross all the way to Golgotha, it was so heavy that He crushed, it was crushed under the weight. They needed to get some other guy to pick up the cross and to help Him take it so that He could be nailed to it. And I thought, why was He crushed? If He was always God and He was always man, why not channel just a little bit of that God power to give you the edge, to give you the strength, to stand up under the weight of the cross so that you could carry it? He could have done it. It was always within His power to do it. And yet, as I read, 
and I look over the Gospels and I read the Scriptures and I see His life, I realize something that He never did it. It's like He chose to do everything as a human while fully being God. And yet He chooses, He says, I'm not going to use that power. I'll do everything as a human. Pilate asks him a question. He says, are you the king of the Jews? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. People looked at him. All they could see was the servant. They never saw the king because the king needs a kingdom. His kingdom wasn't of this world. They couldn't have spiritual eyes that could perceive that he was beyond that one-dimensional carpenter that they saw in front of them. That's all they could see. That's all that they could understand. And we know the story. He goes to the cross. The cross that was the most painful way that they could execute somebody reserved for the worst of the worst. But it wasn't just the most painful death. It was also the most shameful death. And we see pictures that people paint, you know, in the Renaissance period. And they, we see these beautiful images. And here he is pretty intact on the cross with a little loincloth you know, just over him, just to cover him up. It's not how they did it. The Jesus who was hung on the cross was barely recognizable as a human, Isaiah says, because of what he looked like. He hung there naked so that people could see him, look at him, and mock him. I'm like, come on, Jesus, you could have used just a little bit of your power. You know, at any point, if he wanted, he could have come down off that cross. He could have said, it's over. I'm not doing this anymore. And yet he goes through it. And he endures this shame. Listen to what happens in Mark 15, 29. It says, those who passed by derided him. Wagging their heads. shaking their heads at him, ashamed of who this guy says that he was, disappointed in him. You know why they wagged their heads? Because all they saw was the servant, the form of a servant. They only saw Jesus as a man. They shook their heads in shame. If they could have seen who he really was, they would have bowed down in worship and said, come on, bring him down from there, right? But here he is, people looking at him, wagging their heads and saying, ah, you who said you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Come on, save yourself. You say you're a king. You say you're the Messiah. You're the Holy One of Israel. You've got this power. Save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked Him. Why did they mock Him? Because all they saw was a servant. They couldn't see past who He was in the physical realm. They could only see the servant, the form of the servant. They said to one another, He saved others, but He cannot save Himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Save yourself now and we'll see and we'll believe. And those who were crucified with Him also reviled Him. Why didn't the King of Kings act like a king? Why didn't He do that? And that's the perfect question. And Easter is the beautiful answer. That is what Easter is all about. That's what the Gospel 
is all about. The God who didn't have to do anything for us, gave everything for us. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's what this is all about. God saving us without us doing anything. See, let me explain it. The way that God interacts with people, with humanity, is always through the thing we call covenant. Covenant is like a promise. In a covenant agreement, there's always a superior and an inferior. The superior in a covenant agreement sets the terms and the conditions of the agreement. The inferior, that would be humanity. That would be us. We can agree or we can disagree, but the one thing we don't get to do is change it. And so God began to make covenants with people. This is our relationship. This is how we'll interact. Here's my end of the deal. Here's your end of the deal. The only problem that we found is from Adam through to Christ, we broke every deal. And at one point in history, people said, if you just tell us everything that you know, then we'll know what we need to do. Tell us how to become righteous. He said, fine, you want to understand? Here's the law, 613 commandments. You break one is as if you broke them all. And all we did is break agreements and break agreements. God was faithful in every season from the beginning of time until now. We have been unfaithful in every season from the beginning of time to now. No one was able to stand up to the agreement that was put in place and so God did something, something dramatic, something that we have never seen since and had never seen before. He said, I tell you what, I will fix this problem for you and I will fix this problem without you. I will be God in the covenant agreement. I will set the terms and the conditions of this agreement. And because you are unable to hold up your end of the bargain, I send my one and only Son to be human, to fully represent you. And then I will enter into agreement with my human son that was still fully divine. And it makes sense at this point why he never channeled his power. Because if he acted like God, how could he represent humanity? Which means everything he went through for us was just because he loved us. And he could have given it up at any moment and he never did. He died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins and it inaugurated a covenant of grace. And that is the most beautiful and central part of everything we believe as Christians. Here's what it means. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done or how far you feel from God today, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Praise Jesus and hallelujah, because it's everything to do with Him and nothing to do with us. He did everything for us without us. And the only thing that we do is say yes to Him. And in doing that, He became the servant of mankind while always being God. And everything so that we could know Him. And I think it is almost impossible to imagine that God would actually love us that much. But that is what the Scriptures say. That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And whoever, doesn't matter how you came in, 
doesn't matter your background up until this moment. It doesn't even matter what you have previously believed. Everyone has been on a journey to discover who he is. He says, whoever, that includes you. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For Jesus was not sent into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved by Him. And thank God He did it for us. Amen. So now we come to Easter and what do we have to do? Nothing. That's the gospel of grace. We've, we do nothing. He's done everything. The only thing we can do is honor what He did do and tell everyone about that. We honor Him. We worship Him. One of the things that we do as church is we do something that we call communion. And there's a reason why we celebrate it. You know, the night before Jesus was betrayed, He was having just a normal Jewish meal with his friends. And he's trying to explain to them something that's about to happen. And he takes some bread and he gives thanks to God and then he breaks it and he says, this is my body which is for you. And he takes some of the wine after supper and he says, I know this was wine, but I want to tell you that this represents my blood which is going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins and that will seal the new covenant of grace that we have. He says, as often as you do these things in this way, do it in remembrance of me. Those elements represent everything that He did for us. And when we take communion, we remember who He is and what He did. And you know, in just a moment, we are going to take communion. And I'm going to encourage you to take communion in your own time while we worship. But before we do that, I want to pray. I want to pray for anyone that's here today who doesn't or maybe hasn't heard this message or didn't understand what this was all about. So can we do this for just a minute? Whether you're watching online or you're here in person, why don't you just close your eyes, listen to these words. If you want a relationship with Jesus today or with God today, it comes through Jesus. He's the one that's paid the penalty for your sins. And it is easy to have a relationship with Him. It costs you nothing to say yes to Him. It costs Him everything to say yes to you. You pray a simple prayer. It would be my great honor and my privilege, whether you're here today or watching at home, to lead you in that prayer. And so if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, but on this weekend, you have had your eyes opened and suddenly you see the servant and the king and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, then I would love to pray with you. If you want to make a decision today to follow Jesus, then be bold, be brave, put up your hand and say, that's me. Whether you're here today and you're saying, yep, that's me, and you're, you're watching at home, you can say, that's me too. But you say, yep, I want to make a decision to follow Him. God will see your hand and He sees the significance of that. Why don't we pray together? Dear Jesus, thank You that You love me, that You died on the cross for my sins. I receive You today as my Lord and Saviour. And I choose to follow you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. 
and everyone said amen and gave God a shout of praise. Come on, He's good, He's worthy. He deserves our praise and all of our honor. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.